there's not a lot of Chromatica Oreo news in the news. I know. But there's that picture of Gaga with a fake nose. I know. Oh, my God. So, Dylan, this is, like, how not savvy I am. But I literally – so I saw that that picture was going viral. And I was like, okay, I know that that's Adam Driver because it's like, come on. But I truly yeah. did not know that was Lady Gaga until, like, hours after I'd seen <laughs> this picture. Like, like rotate. I legitimately thought it was a picture of Adam Driver and his, like, wife or girlfriend or whatever. And everyone was just, like, making fun of, like, this, like, real-life <laughs> picture of Adam Driver, like, on the mountains, like, on vacation or something. And I was just like, oh, yeah, true. They do look like a couple that's looking for a third, you know. Um, and so it, 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 then I saw like on IndieWire, like that it's a movie about like Gucci. It's about Gucci. Yeah. And I was like, Can't wait. oh, and I like relooked at the picture. I'm like, oh my God, that is Lady Gaga. I like totally did it. It like did not register that that was Lady Gaga at all. Yeah, it's a, and it was like Stephanie Germanata. And it was a um, first look. I had a tweet go, I had a tweet go semi pop. I did. I saw, I saw that. I saw that. Here, let's and look it up. Uh, if you go that level of popping, Twitter doesn't like automatically mute notifications for you. So I was just dumb and just kept getting notifications for like hours and hours and hours. And then I was eventually just like, okay, how do I make this stop? And just turned off notifications in general on my Twitter. So um, wow, I'll never find out if you say anything to me. She's famous. That's what being famous feels like. I'm famous. And I was like, oh my god, the day the pod drops. Oh my god. We, I got one follower. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the thing about being viral on Twitter is it doesn't even matter. It doesn't do anything. It's so no, Yeah, annoying. nothing matters. That's what's great about Twitter. I love Twitter <laughs> because it's just lawless. I just looked at your tweet again. It's funny. <laughs> now came talk. 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to Straight Hi. People Movies. It's the podcast where each week two gays explore a movie straight people love, and we ask, why? 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 I don't... Just why? Why are we doing oh, this? It's like, mm, it's like getting really annoying at this point. Like, why, why do you like it? I... I have an early, I have an early, I have an early morning. Can we just like speed this up? Why? Yeah, like it's like I, I get that you you have a whole explanation for me, but like, can you just get it down to like one or two sentences? Like, I just really want just to one understand. Or two, that's all. I, I just do you have a tweet? Can you tweet this? Can Is you this, just can yeah? Just be an email. Yeah, can you? Yeah, send me an email. I'll read it tomorrow or never. It's fine. I'm going to bed. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kirk Van Sickle, and I'm Dylan Garcia, and welcome. And we're the two gays. <laughs> that says welcome. Hello, welcome. We're home. the gays. We welcome, welcome we're home. The gays, w- welcome babies. Welcome to everybody. <laughs> yes. Well, wow, this episode is going to be the episode of two thousands references that everyone either forgot about yes, or ha- they have no idea what we're talking about, girl. If girl, we're living our fantasy. There was a way that I could get a fully functioning rock band set. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, a uh, right rock band! Oh, man, I used to kill girl, it girl. on doing girl maps by so the Yeah Yeah Gaz on drums, bitch. Oh, bitch. bitch. Oh, girl. that's actually how you know. That's how you know you're gay. As if in high school you made everyone in rock band play maps. Yeah, they're like they were like, let's play this ACDC song, and you're like, or we could play this really amazing song <laughs> that makes me cry called Maps. Yeah, and it's at the end. They're it's always like, you like know, was he really was powerful. supposed to. Sh- he was supposed to show up at the the music video set, and he didn't. He didn't show up. That's her crying. Oh my god, iconic. Truly, like <laughs> this episode. Okay, is- anyway, sorry. So this is going to be a two thousands like jack off episode. Welcome, 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 everybody. Yeah, baby. Um, welcome. And yeah, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Before we get started, though, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of yeah, yeah, we had to say yeah a bunch because we were just talking about the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get started with our main episode today, we just wanted to have our little announcement, a little reminder, is that we will be doing an episode about the Snyder Cut of oh, Justice League. Kirk is so good, girl. I'm He's so like, excited. Right right the, the, like literally just thinking about it is getting me so excited. <laughs> yes, Mama. Yes, I can't. I'm gonna have to watch this at like. 8 a.m. <laughs> Girl, I am going to force somebody to watch this movie with me. I cannot sit through another one of these superhero movies by myself. It is just, that is just no. not okay. 
I am a 30-year-old man. I can't keep torturing myself like this. No, but we got the longest spreadsheet. Um, we should have like a contest or something. And like whoever wins that contest uh, gets to look at the spreadsheet of movies. Oh my you god! You don't get to comment, but you just Ooh, get to look at that it. That reminds me, I got a couple of movies I need to add to the spreadsheet because I've been getting some recs from Ooh. people, and I'm like, that is a good ass choice. I That's like a good that. Call. I know. Yeah, Alex suggested a movie to put on there, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. We, that was a whole genre I didn't even think. Oh, of putting this on particular there suggestion I got was like an, an a specific actor, where I was like, oh, Ooh. yeah, Ooh. that's like the okay. yeah yeah girl. Mm. Mm. Girl, ooh, it's gonna be good. Ooh, Work in uh, progress, yeah, baby. keep an eye out on that. Uh, that's gonna drop probably the week of the was it March twenty first. So keep an eye out of that. We'll have to we'll be pushing some episodes behind to make room for girl the Snyder cut we're because this is a monumental it. moment Quick. in the film. We're gonna watch it before your straight friends have a chance to watch it, and we're gonna already have our yeah. opinions locked and loaded, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Get ready. I feel like we already have our opinions locked and loaded. <laughs> No, we don't. We're going to go in with an open mind, Dylan. Of course we are. This isn't like whenever I used to um, I used to um, review concerts on the side, and I definitely uh, would write my review about three songs in on my phone. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Because you're like, you're like either not feeling it, or you're like, I really just want to like enjoy this show. Like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to like, yeah. take notes this whole... <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, they played one song I know. I don't know these, so let me just write real quick, and I'll be fine. You know, just like side note about writing notes, I do have to say that, like... With movies that I've, like, seen several times, it's been really easy to write notes uh, while, you know, researching for this podcast. But when it comes to movies that I've never seen before, it's been a long time. It's very hard to, like – because it's just yes. – yeah. It makes it kind of like a slog, man. Like, I haven't been – I haven't written notes mm-hmm. about movies since I was in college. It's a, it's a, it's weird. It's We're hard. back. It's back. It's um, back, baby. So t- – it's bad, baby. Uh, so this week we are talking about, if you saw in the episode description – we're talking about Anchorman, colon, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Woohoo! Oh, God. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> I think that we, you know. What did I put at the top of my notes for this? Was, oh, God, why did we decide this movie? Oh, God, please kill me. <laughs> it's funny That's because the first note. we actually, like, full disclosure, this was a last minute edition. We kind of felt <laughs> like we needed to break up some of the choices we were going to do soon. Yeah. And we were like, well, we haven't really done, like, a straight up comedy. Like, we did The Princess Bride, but we haven't done, like, a just a, a, just a straight comedy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and we thought, what better comedy than a bro comedy from the 2000s? And what better bro comedy from the 2000s to do but Anchorman? Yeah, so before we get into the meat of the episode, let me go ahead and give a little wrap-up. Just so, if you listen to this episode and you haven't watched the movie, first of all, why? Uh, That's actually the second why we ask. Yeah, that's the other. We're always like, why do you like this movie, but also why have you not seen it? (laughs) Also, do not uh, take into consideration that we don't let you know what the movie is until the Tuesday before the episode drops. Um, Do not... You should be watching the movie the second. You should have our tweets turned on, our notifications. Yeah, obviously. And the sec you drop whatever you do and put put the movie on. That's what we're doing. All right, but um, if you case you haven't seen Anchorman: Colon, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, I will be saying that the whole time. Uh, this is a movie. This is a 2004 film directed by Adam McKay, Academy Award winner Adam McKay, what? and it is starring Will Ferrell as the titular Ron Burgundy, Christi- Christina Applegate. David Koechner, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, Fred Willard, Chris Parnell, Catherine Hahn, Vince Vaughn, and then cameos from literally everyone else who was marginally famous in the early aughts. And when we say that, uh, we mean just it. Everybody literally is in this everyone. movie. I'm in this movie. Yeah, I'm in the movie too. Kirk bitch. is in this movie. Yeah. I'm the one that yeah. <laughs> tells Will Ferrell off. I'm that little girl that's like, fuck you, Ron Burgundy. That's me. Mm-hmm. I'm the burrito. <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> That's me, girl. Um, and just a little plot wrap-up. So it's in uh, takes place in 1970 San Diego. Ron Burgundy is the highest-rated anchorman in the city. He and his new taint, his news team, new his taint. taint. He and his news team, his his news taint. He and his news team have their lives turned upside down when Veronica Corningstone, played by Christina Applegate, joins their team. Uh oh. A woman. Oh God. Kirk, how'd you feel about this movie? <laughs> you know, it's 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 one of those really weird things, I think, for me and maybe a lot of other people where it's like, I don't, I think I liked this movie when it came out, but it's so hard to say because it's like everyone really liked this movie and I don't know if I liked it just to fit in, 
you know, because yeah, it was like the exact same the comedy of the time. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. extremely quotable and all that. And I rewatched it now and I was just like, oh, God, like it's got funny moments. I'm not going to lie. Like I laughed several times. But overall, like, its energy, to me, is just so of its time. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, honestly. Like, it's funny at parts, but, girl, did it age interestingly. (laughs) Well, the thing is that, like, it it reminds me, like, I kind of try to put into other, the context of, like, other movies, other, like, really famous bro comedies. And I always kind of go back to Wayne's World, because that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. I think it's minute for minute the funniest movie. And it's like that movie is of its time, but sort of transcends it as well. Like it's a time capsule, whereas like this feels just like stuck there. It feels stuck in two thousand three. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting too because it's technically a period movie or, four or whatever. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> it's like technically a period yeah. movie, <laughs> and I think it's really um, interesting because I don't really, th- I can't really think of a lot of other movies from this time period that did that. So I guess it's got that going for it. It's set in the 1970s. It's like kind of poking fun at like 70s culture, but not like in a, su- I wouldn't say like in a super overt way. Cause the whole thing about like a woman joining the network, which is like the whole gag of the whole movie. And it's like, not like wanting to like not have feminism, like take over. I feel like it, that still mm-hmm. is like the world we live in. Like, Especially in yeah. the 2000s. So to me, it's like, this could have been said like in the 2000s, probably. I mean, it's like fun with the yeah. like hairstyles and the and the clothes, but it's like at the end of the day, like the 70s part didn't really feel like they were like really exploiting it too hard outside of like some art direction fun. I don't know. Very weird. Yeah. Um, I actually, I really like the costuming and the art direction. Like I think that's very, and like the makeup and hairstyling is very good in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, it's fun though, because one thing I, I kind of appreciated about the movie is that it didn't go too far with the 70s thing. Like, especially, like, in the decade we're in now, it's, like, everything that's set in another time period, they're like, we got to make it look like it was that time period. We got to film it like it's that time period. Mm -hmm. We got to do this and that. And I kind of appreciated that Anchorman was, like, filmed very straightforward, 2000s comedy style. It just so happens to be set in the 70s. Um, Yeah. Definitely give it that SNL sketch vibe. It was definitely a very SNL sketch movie. Like, kind of other around this time, though, is, like, uh, Starsky and Hutch, which is that oh, was like, yeah. the Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson movie. Um, but what my favorite kind of early 2000s, like 70s pastiche movie is like, I really love Undercover Brother. Oh, yeah, that movie is so good. God, I haven't so seen that good. in forever. I feel like it's lost the time. Man, I guess you were, you're right. I, I thought that this one was kind of unique, but there was kind of a 70s, like we were like horny for the 70s low key in the 2000s. Yeah. Well, it's like we did it in art with Boogie Nights. What is that? In like 97. And yeah, ninety seven, and then I guess like uh, Lebowski really isn't like that's more like fifties ish, like fifties kitsch. Yeah, Lebowski um, exists in that like same LA. yeah exists in the same world as like Tarantino, where it's like set in the modern day, but it's got this like pastiche to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like there definitely was like a kind of late nineties, early two thousands, like seventies kind of comeback. It's really funny how you'll mm-hmm. notice that, like, when you watch older movies, like, you'll see, like, what was, like, popular, like, at the time, or, like, what they were kind of fetishizing, because it's, like, when you watch 80s movies, like, Back to the Future, you get this, like, whole, like, horniness yeah. for, like, the 40s and 50s. Um, yeah, and, like, Peggy Sue Got Married and Happy Days. And, right. And, uh, like, American Graffiti, all those, like, yeah, one of the 80s, 50s. Yeah, it's so interesting, and, like, it's funny, because I feel like... Right now, what well, we'll, we've been doing the '80s for a minute, girl. Oh my God, can we let it go? Mm-hmm. But it's so funny because I think we kind of glossed over the '90s a little bit, and we're already kind of on our 2000s, jush. Yep. Which is so weird. Yep. Because <laughs> the, the '90s were so good. Yeah, the '90s were great. I mean, like the only thing I feel like the movie that got the '90s the best, and I bet I talked about this on the pod before. I don't remember, but it's Boyhood. But that's because they were like filming in the '90s, right? Well, yeah, I actually can't think of a lot of movies set in. In the 90s, actually. Huh. Hmm. Oh, well, there's, like, Captain Marvel. Well, but yeah. But the whole thing I is that, that, like, though. every sound drop is, like, just a girl in garbage where it's, like, the most, like, hey, like, XM 90s station. And it's not, like, really 90s. Well, right. And that's why I have issues with things like Stranger Things because Stranger Things is very – is kind of what started all this. It's, like, it's just – it's the most obvious 80s references, like, constantly. And it almost, like – you know, like – 
Donnie Darko, for example, I think would be a good example of a film that's set like in the 80s and it feels like it's in the 80s, but it's not like it's the 80s like every two seconds, you know? Anyway, we digress. We're like, now we're talking about like... We digress. We digress, girl. (laughs) Anyway... Any girl, girl, child. Anyways, so Anywho. Anchorman. Well, the reason that the Legend this of Ron Burgundy. Anchorman. The reason this feels like a sketch movie is that well, Will Ferrell comes, of course, from SNL, and Adam McKay also comes from SNL. They both have this very SNL pedigree to them, and so that's why this movie feels very sketch. It feels very uh, episodic, for a lack of better word. Mm-hmm. But like, it's a movie that you can watch ten minutes of, and it's like, oh, this is the funniest ten minutes until you watch the next ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like in 2000s comedies, like, they were all competing to be that kind of movie. Like, I remember when, like, The Hangover came out, and that became a huge deal, because I feel like at that time, it felt like The Hangover, like, kicked all the other comedies out of the water, and it's like, no, this movie is, like, minute by minute the funniest movie. It's like they were all competing oh God, to be, we like... Have to watch... We have to put that on the list, don't we? We do, we do. We do, and, and it's the thing, oh, is they no. all <laughs> were competing on, like, how many jokes can we put into every second of this movie without losing a semblance of well, a plot? Well, also because <laughs> I think a, a reason that, like, The Hangover popped off so hard is that we were, like, head first into, like, Apatovian comedy at the time. Mm-hmm. That was very, like, heady and uh, very, like, very coastal. And then, like, kind of The Hangover comes in and is very, uh, like, populist. Yeah, I agree. And people, people react really well to that. And then that just, like, we made a mistake. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the problem with comedies is like a lot of comedies themselves are great and funny, but I think that a lot of people that enjoy watching these kinds of comedies don't like, I don't want to sound like a dick, but it's like, they almost like don't get it. It's like, no, 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 no. Like these characters are like, they're idiots. That's the whole thing. That's why it's funny. Yeah. Well, it's like it's you have comedy for comedians and then you have comedy for like actual people. And the thing, the thing is, is that like Hollywood is filled with comedians therefore they think people are comedians but whenever a movie comes out that's like funny for the broader populace the people like freak out and are like what is this successful movie that we didn't like like kevin hart kevin hart didn't come up like ucb and like new york and like the improv scene or whatever kevin hart is just like a road comic and whenever people are always so surprised whenever his movies make a trillion dollars. Right, because he's relatable. And I think that like what's mm-hmm. funny about Anchorman being so successful is that it does a really good job, I gotta admit, of towing that line between having really like stupid, crude, like toilet humor, which is mm-hmm. something that like tends to appeal to a lot of people. Um, but also it's got this whole kind of like 1970s feminism, like all these kinds of like really interesting themes as its backdrop. And it finds a really interesting way to like toe the line between the two. You know what the movie reminded me of? It reminded me of Family Guy's sense of humor. It's incredibly Family Guy. You know? I'm pretty sure I had those DVDs next to each other in my bookshelf when I was 14. Yeah. It's, I feel like Family Guy's sense of humor is very similar to this, where it's like, it's stupid, but smart at the same time. And I feel like that style of comedy got very big in the 2000s. Um, Yes. Well, I think with this, we can kind of get into like the Will Ferrell of it all, because this is, I would say, sort of Will Ferrell. So he kind of had these dual big starring roles, or kind of triple big starring roles in Old School Elf and uh, Anchorman mm-hmm. all kind of back to back to back in 2003 2004 I mean he had been he's so good in Zoolander I love him in Zoolander. Uh, yeah he, I think that my favorite role by him, him is in Zoolander because he's gay in it so. he's, yeah because he's gay yeah because <laughs> he's so fucking funny in that um, and then he continues to keep doing basically this forever he keeps he let's see the next thing he does I mean his 2005 is a little bad. It's got the producers and Ugh. Bewitched and Kinking and Screaming. Mm. But then he comes in 2006 with Talladega Nights, which I feel like is equally, if not more, like quotable now. I like hear people quoting this like in rap songs and stuff. Like people love like Talladega Nights popped off. It's so true, but it's so funny because I feel like it did, but I also don't remember that movie at all compared to this one. Yeah, um, me neither. You're right. Well, then he, but he also had that little moment too, where he was like, "I'm a serious actor," like Bill Murray moment, like with the Stranger Than well, yeah, Fiction a, movie, right? Stranger Than Fiction. He did a, um, he did a Woody Allen movie the same year as this. He tried to be serious with, um, what is that movie even called? I already forgot. Stranger Than Fiction. <laughs> Stranger Than Fiction. There we go. I haven't watched in a while. I remember not liking it. Me neither. It, but what? Well, I, I feel to... like after Lost in Translation, I got kind of like annoyed by the whole like, like comedic actor does a dramatic role because i feel like it was always the same kind of character it was always like a down in their dumps kind of like 
boring dude and I just didn't get it. I was like, I don't. Yeah. Well, Steve Martin tried to do it also um, with shop girl. Yeah. It's just weird. It's kind of weird that you take these really funny animated people and then you make them do nothing. And that's supposed to prove to us that they're good actors. That's why I like Adam Sandler in punch drunk love and in uncut gems, because he uses what makes him Adam Sandler in comedies Mm -hmm. to his advantage in these dramatic films. And I actually think that his performances out of all the like comedic goes dramatic, like transitions, like he's the most, the one with the most interesting performances that have come out of that. Incredible. Yeah. Um, then he goes 2007 to blades of glory, which truly only exists as the watch the throne song. Now semi pro, which was forgotten, but then step brothers, which I feel like is like for like, I think our age, like shape our age, like step brothers is their favorite movie. ever. I agree. I think that anchorman started it and then Talladega nights was pushing it. And then step brothers like that, was the nail on the coffin. Like Will Ferrell like mm-hmm. is the comedian of the two thousands, I would say. Yeah. And honestly, that's like his last kind of big hit. Cause you have land of the lost, which actually I really like. Um, then the goods, which I saw in a theater while there was a tornado that happened in Beaumont and we had to evacuate, but we had to come <laughs> back in. Um, the other guys, which has its fans. I like the other guys. I think it's good. Um, and then it, he got weird, did the Casa de Mi Padre and the Billion Dollar Movie. He did Anchorman 2. This movie got a sequel 10 years later that no one saw. Oh, did it, did it not do well? I didn't even realize it had a sequel oh, until no. today. Uh-huh. It has two sequels. It has a sister movie and a sequel. Yeah, it had like a direct-to-DVD movie of all the outtakes, basically. Like they, they shot enough footage to basically make another movie, and so they did that. I actually think I've seen um, that. That's the thing about movies like this, Dylan, is it's like, you know, when I was in high school, I was friends with plenty of straight boys and I was in theater. So you can imagine like the kinds of straight guys that do theater, they love comedy and comedies like this, you know? And so I got exposed to Mm -hmm. all this stuff through them. And then since then, since I left high school, like I don't go out of my way to go see comedy films anymore because I don't have these people to show them to me. So it's like, you yeah. just listed a bunch of things from his filmography post like Step Brothers, And I'm like, I don't know what any of that stuff is, you know? Yeah. Well, it's weird because he, well, so he had Daddy's Home and Daddy's Homes 2, which are huge movies that no one talks about because they're just like more for families. And then Holmes and Watson, which is a bomb. Drunk Parents, never heard of. Between Two Ferns movies, Zero film, Zeroville, never heard of that. And then last year, he kind of tried to come back with two movies with downhill that unfortunately a is bad and um, B came out like in February of before the pandemic. And then the Eurovision contest um, movie on Netflix, which is huge. And people, the people who love Eurovision love Eurovision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess Eurovision is kind of his like trying to come back to that whole blades of glory, Talladega nights, like kind of like very hyper specific kind of world. And then he like, in what's interesting about Will Ferrell to me is that he like, infiltrates these very hyper-specific worlds, but then he's Will Ferrell in them. Like, it's not like he becomes these characters. It's like he just is Will Ferrell in this land. And I think that's kind of part of his appeal. It's Will Ferrell ice skater. It's Will Ferrell basketball player. It's Will Ferrell car salesman. It's Will Ferrell... Yeah, it's never like... He's never a character. He can't escape that. Yeah. And he tried to do that with Stranger Than Fiction, didn't get an Oscar, and so he just like went, okay, (laughs) never again. Yeah, I think it's like Will Ferrell style of comedy, for lack of a better word, is just like he says really stupid things with this like puppy dog face, and then he yells a lot. He likes to yell. His yelling thing. Yes. Um, Which I think for me is where it's like maybe back then I found that funny, but maybe now it's like a little like, ugh, not for me. Well, did did you know that he has... He had a podcast. No, I did not until I is, was like looking up this film and I saw that he has a podcast as Ron Burgundy, which I think is pretty brilliant. It's really insane. He gets so many. He got RuPaul. He got Deepak Chopra. He got Kamala Harris. That's insane. Which is, he got fucking John Bryan. I love that. Fiona Apple's friend. I love John. We love John Bryan. I love her. Uh, his score for Huckabee's. Oh, uh, brilliant. His score for Eternal Sunshine. Brilliant. Mwah. Beautiful. Thank you, John. We love you, baby. We love you, John. And also his extraordinary machine, underrated Fiona. Oh, God. Yeah, the the unreleased version? Mm, girl. Oh, yeah. You know we a fan. Also, I have the regular version on vinyl, and it's like going off on Discogs. I might sell her. Um, don't come to my house and steal it. <clears throat> Anywho, we should talk about the movie. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean... Y- 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 
But it's good. The background's important. It's like Will Ferrell. Like, that's yeah. really the selling factor here, right? That's why people went and saw the movie. It's Will Ferrell. It's all He's Will in Ferrell. every frame of the movie. Yeah. So I, I think the most interesting thing about the movie, and I think it's funny, and maybe it's just because I was in high school at the time and we were all dullards and idiots. <laughs> Dullard was in the movie. That's probably why I said that. Um, but it's funny because I feel like we didn't really catch on to like what the movie was trying to do comedically, which is that it's it's another one of these kind of like man child movies of the two thousands, which that like I feel like all comedies in the two thousands were about man children, like having to like yep. grow up. But I think the whole feminism angle and this whole like a woman in the workplace angle actually is probably the most interesting thing about the movie, and ultimately the funniest thing about the movie. Oh, the second she shows every line that Christina Applegate says is so fucking funny. I just can't get over it. It's one of the... No, I'll save it. I have a thing that she says saved. We'll save it for the end. She, just she is really great in this funny. movie. And, you know, I'm not really familiar with her outside of, like, that. I love that new show she's in, uh, Dead oh, to Me. You know, uh, from Married with Children. Yeah, yeah, but I, I never watched Married with Children. You know, I never really grew up watching sitcoms gotcha. or anything like that. So I'm not really familiar... With Christina Applegate, and I know that she's been in a couple other comedy films. I saw that like one with like Cameron Diaz, like the sweetest thing. Is that? Oh, sweetest thing is so fucking good, <laughs> <laughs> man. I don't. Re- I just remember it was really raunchy, but um, yeah, it is. But uh, yeah, I you know I knew she was funny, but like I guess I kind of forgot because yeah, in two thousand five when I saw this movie or whatever, like I was like quoting all the Paul Rudd lines. I was quoting all the like the Steve Carell lines, especially. Thought that shit was oh my God. popping off. I thought that was hilarious. I love Steve Carell in this movie, but Paul Rudd is, I think. No, just pound for pound, the funniest performance in this movie. Yeah, Paul Rudd is hilarious in it, and I think it's because it's everything. Well, because it's a, it's truly a performance. It's like Paul Rudd usually yes. plays like a lovable, sweet, like college boy majoring in philosophy. So it's just like yeah. fun seeing him like really like bite his teeth into like an actual character. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess so that's unfair to him because like in Wet Hot American Summer, he's also very funny. He's a genius. I mean, I think he's a really Absolute underrated genius. comedic actor. Like, I don't think people... Yes. I know people love him, but I don't think people he really give him props. He got sucked into the Marvel machine, so... Yeah. What, do you, what can he do? He also looks the exact same, which we love. Yes, he does. Whatever that witch... You know he drank whatever Isabella Rossellini's potion was. <laughs> he's at that party with fucking... <laughs> Girl. Ever, who, who's, who's there at the party at the end? Is it Elvis and, like... Um, Andy Warhol, everyone's at that party. Everyone, Andy Warhol. Oh my God. It's been been too long since we've seen that one. I know. By the way, we're talking about Death Becomes Her for anyone out there that's like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Um, (laughs) Anyone who's not gay and 40 like us. Yeah, right. But yeah, I think that uh, Paul Rudd's really great in it. Steve Carell, I think for me, the Steve Carell character is funny, but it was definitely like something that I thought was very funny when I was like 14 years old. And now as an adult, I'm a little like, not as into it. It's just a little too yeah. stupid for me. Yeah. Um, I still hate the David Koechner character. Um, yeah. He takes the shit out of me. Yeah. He's really annoying. And like, I hate to be that gay, but the whole, but, like he's gay for Ron storyline. I hate it. Nope. Uh, I hate it. well, my King forever and always my King Fred Willard. He his, is as the station no, agent is Dylan. So, he's the funniest person in the movie. He's the, the funniest fucking person the phone calls. I could, I didn't even remember those. That was actually probably the funniest like gag in the whole movie was these phone calls about like his son, like trying to like kill people or like, he's like a psycho killer on acid. I don't know, but it was really he's funny. Like, We've all seen our share of hardcore pornography, right? You haven't? No, me neither. I'm just, it, it's a saying that people say. I loved him in this movie. I think that, that's what's so funny is actually the subtle humor in the movie or like kind of more the background humor of the movie is actually what made me mm-hmm. really giggle this time when it was actually oh, the more like favorite loud shit. Like the like stuff I thought was funny was like when I was younger was like the like screaming and the shouting and that stuff wasn't really like jiving with me as well. My absolute favorite background bit that I have I've seen this movie. Well, I saw it a bunch whenever I was younger, but I hadn't seen it in a while is there's an, there's a scene where Paul Rudd is on the phone with Will Ferrell and he, you can see he's sitting on his desk and you can see that Paul Rudd has a two by two Rubik's cube on his desk. 
It's just, it's all, and I, I watched it, I was just, it's so funny to me that he just has the easiest Rubik's Cube you can have. I didn't even, like, notice that, but I love that detail. Yeah, it's all the, like, the little details like that that I actually thought were really funny, and I actually, and it, I'm not into this style of comedy where it's, like, they make a joke, and then the, they, they, like, make sure the audience gets the joke. I feel like Anchorman does that mm. a lot. It's very, like, it's funny because blank. Like, we, we need to explain why this joke is funny to the audience. Well, that's kind of a that's kind of an improv rule. Um, if y'all haven't, <laughs> yeah, haven't actually, Dylan, yeah. like I think that this is a great Sorry. episode to kind of like you're a comedian. Yeah. He's she's a comedian. Yes. Like she's a comedian. Yeah, like I think your perspective could be really interesting. Yeah, so this definitely is written. It feels exactly like a sketch movie. It's just where every scene is about four pages long, um, and then kind of the thing that they come from an improv background as well, or like. A sketch improv, that, this scene's basically all the same. Um, but kind of the a rule in improv is that, like, if it's funny, do it again. Sort of oh, thing. okay. And that happens a lot in this movie, is that where it's, like, one funny thing is said. So, like, um, Ron Burgundy at the beginning says, like, oh, great Odin's beard or some weird thing. And so the rest of the movie, there are these little catchphrases or whatever, because it's like, this is funny once, so it will be funny again. And so that's a lot of the movie. It's just kind of the same scene over and over again, but just with different words. Totally. I mean, and I actually, I did think that that whole gag was funny. Um, especially yeah. the outtakes at the end of the movie where you got, you got to like hear him do a bunch of different ones on the spot. I think for mm-hmm. the ones that like threw me off were the, when they would be like, like he would say something stupid and then Christina Applegate would be like, no one says that. And it's like, but that's, but that's that. the joke. Like, like it doesn't think the audience is smart enough to like get why it's funny. And yeah. I, I well, like the yeah, you know what I mean. The, San Diego means a whale's vagina. The the in a in a movie, <laughs> it would be Christina Applegate just reacting, and then the next thing, right? Like, that's the joke. But on stage, what it would be is, I would say that means a whale's vagina. You would say no, it doesn't. As a reaction, I think it means this, and then as me, I would react and go, no, it actually means this. That's. That's where it's like written for stage and written to be performed instead of written written to be performed in front of a live audience instead of that's a movie, the, which are two different. That's why I'm really to. glad that I'm talking to you about this because I think that that like you're totally on point about that. It has this vibe that it's performed live the whole movie, and there's even parts yes. of the movie where they hold for laughter that I noticed, and it's actually oh, yeah. kind of awkward to watch because mm-hmm. I watched this movie bad decision on my part, but I watched it by myself in the middle of the day. No Same. alcohol, no weed, no nothing that you're supposed to mm-hmm. have with you while you're watching a funny movie. And I and I found that the pacing and kind of like the way the movie was structured like felt really strange to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's that's yeah, because it's of that true. because it's 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 made to be like a live performance, but a movie. So they expect the audience to laugh here, so they hold. And like you said, they they do that that improv thing where they like mm-hmm. explain why the joke is funny or they keep the joke going. You know. Yep. Well, the thing is, is that this script is going to kill whenever they do a reunion at the 2023 San Francisco Sketch Fest, which I know they're going to do it, and I know they're going to have a script reading of this script, and it's going to assassinate on stage. Yeah, I completely agree with you, because it has that vibe to it. The whole thing feels like, yeah, like a really, I mean, admittedly strong sketch that just goes on forever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I it, but again, it's weird too because it's like I don't know if I'm judging the movie more too now because it's like I did like it when I was 14. So of course I'm going to see it as a little juvenile. But at the same time, it's like a lot of comedies are juvenile. I mean, like that's mm-hmm. part of the fun of a comedy is that it's like silly and stupid and it's fun and it's supposed to be liked by everyone. Well, it's like that's I think like right now we have like the people who who are doing it best like the Lonely Island like all of their movies that they've had so far like Hot Rod and uh, Pop Star and I guess to a certain extent to a lesser extent uh, Palm Springs but like both of those movies are very similar in they come from a performance background they come from a sketch background they come from an improv background and these are movies that are supposed to have a thousand billion jokes them and are feel really stupid but. Even though, since they came out 10 years later, it's a completely different sensibility. And, like, Popstar feels so fresh. If you haven't watched it recently, rewatch Popstar. I haven't seen Popstar, but I love, Girl. love Hot Rod. And I think that... God, I fucking love that Hot Rod. Hot, the thing about Hot Rod that I like and why I like Andy Samberg as a comedian is that their shit is stupid. So stupid, oh, yes. but it's also not 
It's like what we were talking about earlier about that family guy thing where it's like stupid and smart. What's interesting about Andy mm-hmm. Samberg's style of comedy or just kind of that Lonely Island group in general's comedy is that it's like the jokes are all stupid, but the background dressing is so like you can tell these people watch films, that they understand aesthetic, they understand style. Like it's interesting. There's something really like even the SNL sketches he did, you know, back in the day that were big, like uh, Dick in a Box. It's like, the jokes are silly and funny and very crude, but it's like the whole styling of the video being kind of like 80s hip hop song. And like, it's really cool. love what they're making fun of. You should, right. if you're making fun of something, you should love it. Where it's like, this feels neutral about the 70s. I agree. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the 70s um, part of it is like kind of just in the background. And I, I almost kind of yeah, wish it could... that it did push the aesthetic of the 70s more into it. Outside of just like, yeah, oh, the only women in the workplace of, in the 70s, ha ha ha, you know, sort of thing. The most, like, actually, I feel like explicitly 70s kind of thing is like when they go to the bar and he does the jazz flute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I love that scene. It's so good. Uh, it has Fred Armisen doing his thing that annoys the shit out of me. Where he just, his accent uh, thing. Just, well, I don't like the accent thing, but it's also where he just like he'll do a thing where he goes and then and then and and I just I just, I just and then, and then, and then, and then oh my just, god, that's like literally Portlandia. That's like an episode of Portlandia. Portlandia. Just going, and, 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 like, and and you know it's like and, and, you know, and, and, you know, ah, yeah, he does yeah. do that. You're right. And the thing is that like, did you ever watch that show Forever? That was his like Amazon show. No, is it new though? It's, it's new, right? Yeah, it came out uh, yeah, probably three, four years ago. I loved it. No one remembers it. Um, yeah, I never But it's fantastic. It. But he's in a couple – he's uh, the lead in it and whatever, and he even does that. And it's like the show is supposed to be serious. It's supposed to be serious, Frederick. Please. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I have such a weird, like, love-hate relationship with Fred Armisen because I feel like Fred Armisen is, like, the me. Like, if I were, like, a comedian and I was, like, in a, this big comedy circle that he, like, he's in, I would be, like, the Fred Armisen of that circle. Because he's like, okay. he's like, he like does impersonations and he's like an SNL guy and he does all these like silly movies, but then he's also like best friends with like Dinosaur Jr. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, it's okay. Like he's got his like own little yeah. lane that I love. But yeah, yeah, I think that it's so interesting. I feel like we spent like a lot more of the episode talking about like comedy and yeah. <laughs> not about the actual movie. Cause I think that the movie, I, I, I don't mean for this to sound mean. But I just feel like this movie is kind of like, it really is just like another one of these kinds of movies that came out around this time. Like, I don't know yes. if it really, like, in retrospect, is really any more special than Talladega Nights or Step Brothers mm-hmm. or not even stuff that had Will Ferrell in it. Like, the Judd Apatow movies or anything that was going on around this time. Like, I feel like they all had a similar sensibility. Maybe not Judd Apatow mm-hmm. as much. His stuff went more into, like, the drama territory. But you know what I mean. Just, like, the really, like, silly bro yeah. comedies that had, like, Owen Wilson yeah, in it. Like, or, like, you know, I'm thinking of Shanghai Noon with, like, him and Jackie Chan. Or, like, uh, <laughs> you know. Chris, is uh, his ears are perking up now. Or, like, the Rush Hour Jackie movies, Chan. even. I, I don't know why I keep naming Jackie Chan stuff. But, like, you get what I'm saying. It's, like, it's... The tuxedo. It's just all very, like, silly. It's all very, like, over the top. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think for me, like, the first thing I think of when I think about Inkerman 2 is, like, Austin Powers because it's, like, another thing that's kind of making fun of an era. But I love Austin Powers because mm-hmm. it really, really, really makes fun of the era. And it in between yeah. a lot of the toilet humor, there are some really, like, fun, like, winking jokes if you're, like, someone that, like, knows things about the 60s or, like, knows things about, like, 60s movies or pop culture. And I like that there was some of that in Austin Powers. And I feel like Anchorman, I don't know. It doesn't really, like... Take me there. Yeah, it's just the 70s. It's just, we live in the 70s. It would be like in, a, in an improv scene where somebody would pop out of the thing and go, this takes place in the 70s. It's that. You know what the funniest part of the movie is to me, actually? The What's Afternoon up? Delight singing part. I was just about to say, are we going to talk about Afternoon Delight? I love that scene. I think it's so funny, and this is, y'all are about to gag. When So I mentioned that in high school, like, my friends showed this to me, and we all loved it. We, like, casted no. ourselves as the no. news team. I did mention I was in theater. Me and my three friends, like, did, no, yes, we, like, learned the Afternoon Delight song, four-part harmony, and we, like, did it. Yes. From this movie. Can you guess which one Legendary. I was? Which one was I? Were you, like, the, the higher I harmony? was. I was. I was fucking Paul Rudd's character. Of course. And that's the character I was cast as. They're like, oh, that's so funny. They're like, Kirk, he's a ladies, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> Funny. She got that sex panther. Girl. But yeah, so I think that part's hilarious. I think it really held up this viewing. I laughed my yes. ass off. I thought it was great. I also like like it too because it's like when you delve into like the themes of this film, mm. Anchorman. You know, it's all about men not understanding like love or like women or like growing up and they're all like imbeciles. And I like love that that scene is like, what's love? And they just sing Afternoon Delight. I'm like, that's that's amazing. That's great. That's, that's some good yeah, shit that's, right there. That's right. That's right. I can vibe with that. Uh well, speaking of people thinking you're straight, let's get into, like, why why do straight people love this movie? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Like, Yeah, it's like the, the comedy is so straight. Like, it, it can't be gay. Yeah, and I think for me, it's like... The irony of the fact that this movie is about women trying to carve their lane in this world. They're not letting them. Yet women are, like, barely in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is exactly three women, I, two of which have... Four lines Like, total. yes, Adam McKay, yes, Will Ferrell, like, appreciate the backdrop of this film. It's very smart, but the, the, it's just so funny that, like, women are barely in it. I know. Oh, Whenever the, Catherine Hahn shows up in the background for the first time, I was like, is this, is Catherine Hahn just going to be in the background going, yes. Yeah, that's, li- I was so that, disappointed, Dylan. she got half a scene. No, she's like barely in it. She has like literally two lines. It's so sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the comedy of the film, like we were talking about being kind of like stupid and smart at the same time. I feel like that's like mm-hmm. straight people like love that shit. Like the comedy that I think gays like we love, like super, I think like insular, very specific humor. Like, yes. I feel like when you watch a John Waters movie, like if you have a straight guy watch that movie with you and he thinks it's funny, it's like you found a good one. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of people would watch that movie and be like, what the fuck am I watching? I don't get it. Yeah. Um, and also, I think a lot of gay humor for me, too, is like, I don't know, maybe now I'm just talking about Kirk humor, or like Kirk and Dylan humor. But like stuff like I Heart Huckabees for me is like only only gays could like a movie like that because it's so pretentious and so like weird Let's, and dry, okay. you know, like dry humor. Let's there spend- you go. I will spend seventy. I will spend an hour on Huckabee's alone. I fucking love Huckabee's. I Such think a good movie. the thing about Huckabee's that is so good about it is that it is this movie that it's the opposite of how Anchorman is, where it's dumb but smart. This movie is smart but dumb. Whereas like the entire like ethos of the movie is that like you cannot get too bogged down into one philosophy or else you'll go insane. So that's kind of the thing about the comedy is that like you can't investigate it further because you will go insane. So just fucking laugh. Right. And that's what I agree with you. Like it has a, yeah, that's a really good way to think of it. And I think a lot of comedy is one or the other, right? It like, it's like dumb to smart or smart to dumb. And I think that Anchorman's a good example of like, yeah, that kind of like loud screamy, like very in your face, like the kind of stuff that like, you know, Oh my God, everyone's going to hate me. What's his name? Oh yeah. Chris Farley. Like, that kind of stuff that there he was go. doing in the 90s. And then furthermore, like, what was, like, big in the 80s with, like, Eddie Murphy. And, like, it's just, like, it, it's, like, part of that long line of, like, loud. Like, if you just yell things and you say, like, hilarious shit in a loud voice, it's funny. I kind of am more, like, a dry comedy girl. Not, like, British dry comedy because I feel like that's a specific yeah. kind of, like, straight thing. She's different. Like, the, <laughs> that Ricky Gervais type shit. Like, that's Ugh, not. God. No, you love that? No. God, yeah, no. that's not for me either. Not I mean, I guess really, like, I, you could probably tell from <laughs> just listening to me talk about this kind of stuff. I'm not, like, the biggest comedy girl. I, mm. I actually think my favorite kind of comedy is stand-up. Like, I love stand-up comedy. Um, oh, yeah. Because I find it, like, to be so dark. Like, just the darkest yeah. art form there is. <laughs> um and I, I do not want to do. I was gonna. I was. I was. Never mind. I was gonna be about to like do a dark joke, and I was like, I'm not about to do my fucking stand up on this. Podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> never mind. Let's just let let let's. That's dark. Yo, throw some jokes out. Test them out a little a bit on us. Um, yeah, it's like I got some, I got some new jokes I haven't tested on an audience. And yet. I and you know what? And actually, I I take it back a little bit. I like live comedy a lot. Um, mm-hmm. but I think for me, when it comes to comedy movies, it's hard for a comedy movie to be timeless. I think personally yes you know well that's why it's so i think that's why the oscars are so bad at like supporting comedies because it's like how do we know that if we it, well, if we were given oscar to bridesmaids or whatever how do we know in five years that bridesmaids is going to hold up and it's so funny because like, like yeah bridesmaids did hold up you know yes I, but i also think that bridesmaids was ahead of its time 
comedy-wise. Well, I'm a Kristen Wiig stan. I love Kristen Wiig. I think she's so funny. Have you seen Barbara and Star yet? No, I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard a lot of people say it's not very good. But I feel like because I like her, I I might like it. Too high. Yes. It's... It does a lot of like what it happens in uh, Anchorman where like the joke goes on far, 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 far too long. Um, but Kristen, Kristen Wiig plays dual roles mm, and the other role she plays is um, kind of what I wanted to bring up real quick before we kind of move on. Um, but I think you're bringing up something in comedy and it just reminded me that like I think we can better uh, expand this analogy because it's kind of hard to find like a gay horror or what's a gay horror, gay comedy. Um is if we kind of transpose this ethos onto horror. So look at like successful, recently successful, like straight horror movies. I'm talking like paranormal activities. I'm talking um, the later conjurings, the Annabelles, things like that. And those are movies that have a lot of jump scares that are very just kind of a physical scare to you. And then you think of like big gay horror movies. You're talking your hereditaries, your Midsommars, your what else is a gay horror? Anything that Ari Aster has done, and yeah, anything uh, Ari Aster uh, uh, in that era. and Suspiria by Luca Guadagnino. <laughs> Bitch, <laughs> what a perfect fucking movie! What a, We're crazy. I, re- for that I rewatched one. like two weeks ago. Bitch, bitch, be crazy with that one. You crazy with that one, Luca? But that's the same sort of thing where it's like I feel like comedy and horror are very linked in general anyways because they're both these very like physical uh genres um and so i think you can explore one thing in comedy and do the exact same thing in horror um look at jordan peele yeah he went from comedy to horror and crushed it look at my screenplay um right i think you're making a really good point though in general just kind of uh putting the two genres side by side because Mm -hmm. i think that horror and comedy are very like populist genres like everyone likes them but then when you become a fan of either one or both or whatever you really delve into the genre and then you Mm -hmm. end up finding like the really weird little pockets so i'm a big horror fan and i've spent a lot of my life watching all sorts of movies from different countries eras whatever with comedy i haven't gone as far but i will say that like when i've seen like i got really into like comedy bang bang like Five mm-hmm. or six years ago, and I got really into Tim and Eric for a little bit there. I got really into, like, just anti-humor in general. And I found – well, first off, I had it to be, like, super fucked up to think it was funny. So that was kind of yeah. interesting. But overall, it was just interesting to kind of delve into a form of comedy that is definitely not for everyone, even to the point where I was, like, lost. Like, where I was, like, I yeah. don't know what I'm supposed to think of this. Um, something like Pin 15 – uh, that I haven't watched that yet because I'm too afraid. Dylan, because people keep saying that I'm re- they remind me, or I remind them of the kid in the second season. Oh no, Dylan! That. Well, just watch the first <laughs> season then because I think that they're finding kind of an interesting middle ground between cringy comedy, like anti humor stuff, but also keeping it kind of like like lighthearted and kind of like lovely. I don't know. I I do agree that like there's things going on and that. And usually the gays are the ones that, that you know, are, are into it first. But there is stuff going on in comedy, like, that's going on with, like, horrors having kind of its um, rejuvenation right now. And I think comedy mm-hmm. has been going through, an, at least for me personally, has been going through an interesting transition phase for the last, like, ten years. Yeah, well, everyone's, like, kicking about Search Party. I which, love, like, I haven't, like... love Search Party. But that show's not even, like, funny. That's the gag about What's thing, new yeah. in comedy is it's not even like funny, really. <laughs> you know, my favorite comedy of the past 10 years what? is, I mean, besides 30 Rock, um, 30 Rock is still to me the funniest show that's ever been, ever been created. Um, but my favorite comedy, and I feel like no one talks about it but me, and I feel insane, but is Angie Tribeca. Angie Tribeca. Was that like a, that was a show, um, right? Yeah, it was four seasons, Rashida Jones on TBS, and it's Rashida Jones doing basically like police squad and it and like airplane like it's like just a thousand jokes per second it's so stupid but since it's from the sensibility of Rashida Jones it is yeah I was about to say that's so interesting to me because she's so like she's like the most boring character on um Parks and Rec you know (laughs) so I think that's a really interesting concept I mean I think what's interesting well I I love that this episode's just us talking about like the state of comedy I love comedy. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that that's like, this has kind of not happened to us before, but as it's someone that's maybe a little bit more on the outside of comedy, what I've noticed is that 
in the 2000s, you had like Will Ferrell was at his height, right? And then you had these newcomers like Andy mm-hmm. Samberg killing it, Kristen Wiig killing it. And they were able to like have successful careers post SNL, all that stuff. And I feel like in the last 10 years, at least when it comes to SNL as like the machine that like churns out these comedians, it really has had like a weird stasis moment where I feel like SNL yeah. has not really known what to do. I feel like the last 10 years in comedy, I feel like it's well, a little SNL lost. Is- it's kind of what happened in the last four years with everything where it's like it got swallowed up by Trump. And so it didn't have, it was just in this like cast in amber almost where it's like it stopped being SNL November 6th, 2016 and then became like the Trump show. Yeah. And so nothing was able to, it was just rotten. I feel like a lot of the comedy on the show though, it's like, for example, like I really love Beck Bennett and Kyle Mooney. And I think that yeah. good neighbor stuff like all that stuff they did on YouTube that got them kind of big was super funny and super fresh and different. And I feel like they got a little bit of a moment when they first started to like bring that sense of humor into the show. I remember they did like this, like Mm -hmm. SoCal like talk show where they were all like skaters and surfers, like in their mom's basements. It was really, I thought it was very funny, but I remembered like hearing the audience not really laugh that much. And I feel like it just wasn't translating Right. And I wonder if the problem is, and because you you talk about this a lot, TikTok and like, I wonder if the, the SNL mm-hmm. format, it just, it just isn't working for comedy anymore. It's just the comedy has moved in a new direction and these like kind of more short, quippy, like YouTube videos 10 years ago, but now TikToks, now Instagram, all this mm-hmm. other stuff. It's just like, that's where humor's going. Memes. It's all a lot more quick yeah. and a lot more snappy. Well, that's the thing. You know? You actually you mentioned both of the things at the same you mentioned both things separately, but I think they're both in tandem together, but it's Andy Sandberg slash Lonely Island and YouTube. Because that was what made YouTube pop off You're was right. Lonely Island. And so at that point that was this vision point that was this like this break and that was this break in reality where YouTube where there was it was the last point in which internet humor and television humor were the exact same and then ever since then they've started at the same place but they've been slowly drifting off and now we're at a point where it's like it's no longer Pangea girl she's different continents and it's like you can't push them back together well now that we've gone on a hour-long diatribe about the state of comedy uh <laughs> anchorman the legend of ron burgundy um straight it's straight uh, it's because it's it made strange. us go on an hour-long rant about the state of comedy. So we're straight now. Yes. So thank you, Anchorman, for doing that to us. Thank you. Uh, oh, I, I, girl, we talked girl. about it last week a little bit, but here we are. I need to have a sound effect or something. We need to. Well, I, I don't know if we should do a sound effect because that could be No, it's actually bad. You're up. right. But um, <laughs> this is the sixth movie in a row. We have done six episodes. A man hits a woman in Anchorman. There we go. We did it. We did it. And it's literally, I know what you're all thinking. It is an accident. It really is not on purpose. It truly is an accident. (laughs) We are not planning this. Do you think whenever we were like, hey, let's do Titanic, that's because there's a scene where Billy Zane smacks a show? Yeah, like you, did uh, anyone remember that? No. 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 That would be seven hours long. All I remember is all the sad parts. Right. Um, And whenever he falls (laughs) off the boat and hits the rudder. I, I do want to mention that I, I mentioned man child stuff earlier, but I do want to mention something that really irks me about 2000s comedies. And maybe I'm being like a little like neo-lib about it, which is kind of annoying, but it is really annoying in these movies, how there's like a total idiot imbecile man child of a main character. And somehow the female lead who's like a bad bitch, who's hilarious, who's amazing. Like Christina Applegate is in this movie, like likes him and falls in love with him. It just really doesn't work for me. No, especially whenever she like goes back to him whenever he like gets fired for saying "Go fuck yourself, San Diego," and she's like, "No." And there's like that like bodyguard moment where it's like, "Girl, no." It's it's kind of amazing that Christina Applegate does a good job in the movie because I feel like her character is really confusing because she's supposed to be kind of like the straight character of the film, like the one that lives yeah. in actual reality, right? And they're supposed to be like these goofballs, but she kind of oscillates between being a part of the joke and also being the one that's like looking at it as a joke. And it kind of confused me mm-hmm. as a viewer. I was like, so she sees that they're fucking idiots, but doesn't see that they're, she's also an idiot. I don't know. It was, it was kind of confusing for me. Um, I didn't she does it. a great job. I mean, Christian Applegate does it a great job in the film. Like so she's so good. funny in it, but yeah, it definitely feels very like written by a man produced by Judd Apatow, you know? Yep. Tease. Speaking of written by a man and produced by Judd Apatow. <laughs> I don't know. Let's talk about the gay stuff in this movie, because there's a couple of gay things, including one giant gay thing. Um, okay, so first of all, I, my favorite part of the movie, my favorite line is the woman who says, it smells like Bigfoot's dick. 
she's gay girl. <laughs> that, that's such a good line. I'd come out to her. <laughs> and it's funny because I feel like that's the kind of line that might have gotten passed over 15 years ago, but now it like yeah. it, it aged really well. And the way that she said it, it's like, it smells like Bigfoot's dick. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it's exactly how I would read it. She's a genius. I love her. Yeah, who are you? We love you. <laughs> uh, is that fucking, what's your name from Titanic? The supporting a- Amy, Amy Gaipa. It's Amy Gaipa. <laughs> oh, she's such <laughs> versatility. Oh, my God. Look at that. Truly one of the greatest through. actresses of our time. <laughs> um, also, Christina Applegate, she has a, I can't even remember the context of it. Um, she's like, I can't be a news news anchor or whatever. Oh yeah. She can't be. She's talking about how she, why can't she be an anchor? And she goes, is it because I have breasts, exquisite breasts? And she like does about 15 syllables and breasts. So good. Love her. Um, Catherine Hahn is in this movie. If you gaze, once again, we said last week, stop fucking posting, or just me. <laughs> Kirk, can I, have a I, opinion? I think it's really annoying uh, that all these gays now all of a sudden give a shit about Catherine Hahn. I'm like, I know, where were y'all when she was like the the best friend in every like B comedy of the last 15 years? Mm-hmm. Where were you in that Netflix movie about her trying to have a baby with Paul Giamatti and they're both writers in Manhattan that I'm never going to watch? Where were you yeah, then? Where, huh? Yeah, was that like a Tamara Jenkins movie or is it just sound yes, like a Tamara Jenkins girl, movie? Yes, girl, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> it's I, love, I love. It's the most. I love a female director, but no, ma'am. Um. No, <laughs> I, I I would like um, to mention that literally every single thing that's gay about this movie that you've mentioned so far, Dylan, is just a woman being funny. <laughs> well, and that's the final thing that's gay about this movie is at the very very end, they fucking throw us Missy Pyle. They do, and then she doesn't even get to be funny. No, she has one line, maybe two, and then the fucking credits. It's Missy Missy, Missy Goddamn Pyle. Pyle is a legend. She is so Legend. funny. She's the only funky, funny part of bringing down the house with Steve Martin. <laughs> okay. She is maybe one of the funniest parts of Galaxy Quest, which is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Iconic in Galaxy Quest. Literally. And then it's like, and then she almost got this renaissance moment with the artist where it's like, oh my God, Missy Pyle, where have you been? And then it's been 10 years. Where's Missy Pyle? I know where she where is. Where is she? She's in Ma. Oh, that's right. She is in Ma. <laughs> Oh She's my god! So good in Ma. Yeah, and I love her in Ma because it's like it's total camp. Like it's like a Missy Pyle character, like a very kind of character she'd normally play, and I love it. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, Ma's perfect. I know you don't like Ma, but it's fine. It's it's um, not that I don't like Ma. It's that like I think a it, lot of people that like it are putting something on it that's not real. Yeah. Like it's like it's like I watched the movie <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it has potential to be an amazingly horrific B movie camp classic, but then it actually mm-hmm. takes itself too seriously to be that. But maybe that's why you love it. It's I don't know. Maybe I'm just like it's too ahead of its time. It is why I love it. Also, uh, Tate Taylor is a bad director. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did Did you have anything gay about this movie, or did we just talk? I, about no, the I literally like on screen. It's like what I just said. It's just like whenever women are funny in this movie, it's very gay to me. And I wish that there were more women in this movie. I, yes. That's what's gay about the movie. It's like women being repressed. To me, that's gay. <laughs> I'm like, that sucks. It's that's like, because for me, it's like if I named all my favorite comedians, I would say that nine out of ten of them are women. All right. Um, we Before we wrap up, we do have our gay recommendation. This is uh, each week we recommend one movie that is more or less this is more of a more, uh, a gay equivalent to this mm-hmm. week's picture. Uh, our recommendation, I was having a hard time for a while, and then eventually it came to me, and I was like, oh, it's perfect. of course. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. It is Drop Dead Gorgeous. I love every, oh my, Dylan, I love this movie. It's such a gay classic. perfect. Look, it's it's gay Anchorman. It's a movie that has a thousand people in it. Mm-hmm. Every gay can quote every single line from it. What's your favorite line? Mine is, I'll be whatever kind of tree you want. Just give me a second. <laughs> oh, God, I can't. It's been so long. So see the movie, Dilly, you put me on the spot. But I think that it's basically when – my favorite part of the movie is when they ask Amy Adams how she's feeling. And she goes, like, oh, my God, I'm really nervous. I haven't, like, told my boyfriend yet. Like, can you tell? Like, all this stuff. And they're like, oh, we were asking you, like, how you were feeling before your performance. And she's like, oh, 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 yeah, um, yeah, I'm, like, so excited to do my act, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, like, Amy Adams in that movie, uh, so good. And also just the image of Kirsten Dunst dancing to her, uh, act while she's putting makeup on dead corpses. <laughs> Whenever they wheel out the previous year's winner. To oh, my God, Dylan, I know exactly which part you're talking song. about. 
She's like, yeah. oh my god, no. It's like I can't Don't do it because it's like offensive. It's like a really offensive. It's like way more offensive than Anchorman, actually. I know that's the thing. it's way more problematic than Anchorman, which Anchorman has some like a little bit of stuff that like wouldn't go today, but like. Drive Tech Gorgeous is one of those movies where it's like, you, you can't show everyone that movie. They have to be tuned in to a certain frequency. Yeah, totally. Oh, also, I have really great memories of, like, Kirstie Alley at the end of the movie, like, going batshit crazy <laughs> like on, on that burning, shit. the burning uh, float or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's some good shit. Ugh. And the thing with Drive Tech Gorgeous is that it was so hard to find until, like, last year. Was it? I remember like, it, was it was on was, TV, like, like, all the time, like, on, like, Comedy Central. It was out of print. Ooh. They did the DVD pressing whenever it came out, and then it was just out of print forever. And so whenever it came, I think it's on Hulu now. Like that was like the first time it had been anywhere. Like it wasn't on any streaming services. Was, you couldn't even download it on iTunes. It was just impossible to find. And then it came back. Uh, and then finally, what ties it all up is that Kirsten Dunst. She wants to be Diane Sawyer. I That's know. her whole thing. She wants to be an anchor woman. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's a really great choice. If any of y'all haven't seen this movie, again, Sucks. if you're tuned into a certain kind of like dark, you're willing to kind of look past maybe some of the more problematic aspects of the film. I it's it is literally what my mom would say, a hoot and a holler. It's a hoot and a holler. It is funny. Um just know that honestly, if you do just mute Every time Will Sasso is on screen. Yeah, that's really the part just I'm do thinking that. about. That's like the kind of un, unexplainable part, but it's like just every time he's on screen, just like... Just pretend you don't see it or hear it. Yeah, I, should, I choose not to see it. Um, but yeah, Drop It Gorgeous. Yeah, I, I have an interesting gay wreck. Um, so I so I was thinking about comedies that do the whole period thing, and I, I find mm-hmm. that when it's done really well, I really love it a lot especially when it's like a very specific genre. And there was this mini series that came out like six years ago called the spoils of Babylon. Okay. Dylan, have you seen this? I haven't. It's kind of a chaotic choice. Cause I don't know if a lot of, but this goes back to the whole thing where it's like, it's like a marginal comedy. It was a, yeah, was that on like, IFC it was on IFC girl. And it's a yeah, will. Yeah. It's a, it's like a spoof of these like really epic mini series that would like come out back in like the seventies or eighties. Like, kind of like gone with the wind style, like giant Americana, like stories about families and you know, it's that whole thing. Yeah. And it stars Will Ferrell as like a disgraced writer who wrote the screenplay, directed this like horrible <laughs> film that it it's like, he's narrating it. Like it's like a TV event and he's like a drunk and an idiot, whatever. It's very Will Ferrell. And then Kristen Wiig and Toby Maguire star in it <laughs> as siblings that are not actually siblings like one of them is adopted but they're like in love and they're like the children of like an oil tycoon and they like basically (laughs) like it's like there's a whole part where he's like addicted to heroin and there's like a whole like it like goes through like the eras like 40s through like the 70s it's absolutely ridiculous and what i love about it is it it, instead of like make like spoofing the melodrama of these kinds of things in a really like silly way i mean it is very silly it's very real like, I feel like, okay. you know, Kristen, that's why I love her. It's oh, always yeah. very, like, lived in. It's, like, almost too yeah. lived in. And <laughs> I thought it was really funny. I remember trying to show it to people and no one was really into it. So for kind of, like, off-the-cuff, like, period piece comedy with Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig, if you want to go check out The Spells of Babylon, I don't know how you'd be able to find it. IFC, I guess, has an app. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I recommend it. It was really funny. And if you're into, like, the melodrama of it all and things making fun of melodrama, like, I lived. I lived for a Kristen right, Wiig moment like that. I'll give it a You check. should check it Let's out, do Dylan. It. I'll check it. Watch, watch the trailer on YouTube and tell me what you think. All right. So that was our episode on Anchorman, colon, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. That was fun. It was fun. We, got, we went deep. We went. We it was went so deep. interesting. I feel like we didn't really talk, but I think it's hard to talk about a <laughs> film like this because it's like, what are we going to do? Just talk about every joke in the movie? Yeah. Then it's like, no one wants to listen to us like just quote the movie for an hour. Yeah. That's what makes it straight is that people quote the fucking movie. We're not going to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, you all know the quotes. You know I love Lamp, yeah, you bitch. You all know. Yeah, you know it works 60% of the time, all the time, bitch. You got it. You were – oh, actually, my favorite – I think my favorite line in the movie <laughs> – no, I, I got to do it before we we, we, we leave. But okay. My favorite part of the movie is when they're having that, like, dream sequence while they're having sex. And he goes, yes. look, a, a rainbow. And she goes, do me on it. <laughs> I don't know why that was that one always Love gets it. me every it's time. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> my name is Dylan Garcy. You can find me on Twitter at Dylan Garcy and on Instagram – 
and Letterbox at Garcid. And I'm Kirk Van Sickle, and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterbox at Kirk Van Sickle without the vowels, except for the E at the end. Yep. And uh, don't forget, I know we haven't said this ever, so don't forget to do this thing we haven't told you to do. But if you're listening to it on an iPhone or on an iPad or an Apple TV for some reason, give us a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps the visibility. People can see us. There can be more people hear us talk about Lady Gaga, even though I actually might cut this part, cut the Lady Gaga part out. No, I got to keep it. Yeah, we have to. It's part of our whole thing now. I, I'll, yeah, I'll, then I'll cut to the end where we like transition. Uh, but yeah, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Give us the five stars if you like it. And if you don't, um, then don't do that. Yeah, don't and if rate you, and, and review us if you don't like us. episode, like talk about us on Twitter, bring us up on Instagram. Any sort of help helps, bitch. It really, really does. Mm-hmm. If you, you tag think us we're on funny, Twitter other or people Instagram. might think we're funny, bitch. Damn. I know. If you tag us, if you respond to us, I will respond to you. My phone is attached to my body, and I will immediately respond to you. And you'll go, Dylan, don't you have something better to do? And I'll go, no, I don't. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. I'm bored. Yeah, this is all we got. Literally. This I just all, I sit all, in my room all day, all week long, and then I watch the movie, and then I record this <laughs> podcast, and that's my life. Uh, yeah, at 3 p.m., you press play, and then at 5 p.m., you press accept meeting to Google Meets. Yeah, like I'm literally the girl from Audition. Is that too, <laughs> is that too deep of a reference? And I'm the guy in the bag. Mm. All righty. We might do audition. Okay, Army. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) He'll be in hell. All right. This was fun. Bye. Bye, everyone. And now came talk. Talk. Talk.